Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 55 of the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast, if you don't know, is our weekly internet USC radio show talking all about the Trojan football team. We have a very exciting show for you this week on the podcast. Later on, we're going to talk to USC kicker David Beeler. He tore it up at the Combine. We had about a 21-minute interview with him, so he shares a lot of his thoughts of going to Indianapolis last week. We also are going to talk to Gerard Martinez about recruiting. He put up a couple of target lists. The offensive and defensive target list for 2010 just went up on uscfootball.com today on Wednesday, so you can check those out. Those are always popular features. And of course, in the first segment, as always, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, what's going on, man? Man, I tell you, it's, uh, I thought I was going to get outside and get a nice workout in today, and here it is raining. I know. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have to put on my galoshes. Remember the old term, <laughs> galoshes? And uh, put on my Mary Poppins, take my Mary Poppins umbrella outside and get my workout in. But uh, it's wonderful. I tell you, it's the off-season, but it's not really an off-season. There isn't an off-season anymore in any sport. So we've got a lot of topics to cover today here. Uh, I hope I can uh, help you uh, answer some of the questions. I understand you got some questions from some of our listeners we definitely did and if you guys have any questions out there podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address we will always try to get to your questions we have a few that came in and uh before we go any further i just wanted to thank our sponsor for the segment southern california tickets sctickets.com 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for concerts theater sporting events all of that stuff give sctickets.com a try we use them we really like them um, but last week, Coach, I, I asked people for some feedback because we've been going a little bit over a year now. Um, you know, I think the, the podcast has been successful. You know, we, I didn't know anything about podcasting when we started this off. Uh, I know, you know, you've done a lot of radio. I've done some radio, but, you know, I've never done any podcasting before. I don't think you have either. So I was like, well, I want to see what people think. We've done it for a year. So I asked people, you know, send in your feedback. Uh, I had a few questions that you could answer, and then you know people sent in their own questions as well, just to kind of get a feel for what people like, what they don't like, what we can change, um, stuff like that. And I told people that you know I'll send out as many T-shirts to people that send in feedback as we can. I am going to try to send out a T-shirt to everybody that sent in feedback. We got a lot of them, but I I just bought a whole bunch of envelopes so I can stick T-shirts in them and hopefully send them out to everybody. That'd be nice. But thank you everyone that did send in uh, your feedback. But coach, I wanted to kind of share some of that with you i mean you, you you're pretty popular coach though i think mean, your segment i think got the, the most positive feedback well i tell you first of all i want to admit to you i don't know what a podcast is still okay <laughs> uh, to me to me this is like radio okay now you call it podcast or whatever else you want to call it but to me it's a radio interview it's where you have fun uh, it's like having a staff meeting it's like getting together and uh, just uh, having coffee or something. So you explain sometime to me what a podcast is off the air, okay? I, I can definitely do that, Coach. And, <laughs> you know, I really didn't know. And I, I was really surprised by some of the feedback because when I started this, I have an engineering background. So 
gadgets and, and software and stuff doesn't really intimidate me all that much. So I went out and bought a little mixing board, some microphones, just did some research online and boom, we started off. And I think we, you know, I think we've sounded fairly professional from the beginning. I th- a lot of the feedback we got was indicating that saying that, yes, this does sound, you know, uh, fairly professional and they like the way it comes together. And of course, uh, the reason people listen to this is you can't get a lot of USC information out there, especially during the off season. And, uh, you know, you can, to be able to listen to basically a USC show at least once a week, I think that's something that a lot of the USC fans out there really appreciate it. No, I agree. And not only that, uh, a lot of people who listen probably live out of the LA area. And, you know, if you live out of the LA area, you don't get the up-to-date information if you're an SC fan or a football fan because you're not around LA to hear it either on radio or read it in the newspapers or so on. So you can get it uh, on uscfootball.com year-round. That's true. That's what we're out there to do. And this is kind of an extension of that. Uh, you know, if you do like talk radio, a lot of people do like sports talk radio. It's kind of the same thing. And, uh, you know, I was curious how people listened, Coach, because, you know, obviously we're not on, you know, you can't turn on the radio dial, but you can listen to it on your computer if, you, you know, if you're working or put your headphones on. A lot of people do download it from iTunes, though. So, I mean, probably almost half of the people that, that wrote in do listen to it from iTunes, which if you, if you have an iPod, that's like the music store. And, you, and Coach, they put the podcast up there for free. So instead of, you know, if you want to buy a song, it's like 99 cents. But a lot of podcasts are up there for free. So they'll subscribe to it. And every time they log into iTunes, if there's a new episode, it automatically downloads to their computer and then to their, their mobile device. So a lot of people listen to it on iTunes and they let, download it to their either their iPhone or their iPod. And while they're at work, I mean, or, or walking the dog or, or at the gym, then they listen to the show. So that's, I was surprised as many, as many people listen to it that way as they do on the computer. That surprises me too, but good. Uh, as you get that workout in or as, if you're in the traffic or whatever, uh, just put us on. We'll be happy to satisfy your needs. But call us or however you get the questions. How do they get the questions the, to you? The email, podcast at uscfootball.com. But, Coach, that's a good point. I'd love to get – a setup like a digital kind of answering service where people could at least call in, or maybe we could even get them while we tape the show calling. I'm going to work on that, but I'd like to get people's voices on here besides just reading their questions. But that's something I'm working on now. Good, good, good. Well, I'll always give you assignments like that because yeah. I can't figure it out. So, <laughs> you know, I'll have you, since you have an engineering background, figure that out for us, okay? Sure. And 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 some of the other general feedback, there was uh, a lot of love for you, Car- Coach Harvey Hyde, and uh, Gerard Martinez. People love his recruiting updates. Dan Weike, uh, we always tease him, but he got a lot He got a lot of positive feedback as well. So people do. Like some people said, uh, Dan isn't that bad. So that's not too bad for Dan. So, we'll, we'll, you know, we've got to give <laughs> we got to give uh, Dan some love. But they also like the special guests we bring in every once in a while. And, we, you know, we try to do that. We try to mix it up. Bring in beat writers that cover USC, national college football people, you know, around the draft, you know, bring in any kind of draft experts. I try to do all of that just to give USC fans kind of an overall perspective of what's going on in the program. Good. You really do. And uh, really, you know, when you call me or when we get together to do this every week, I really don't know what you're going to throw at me or what it is. So it's really off the cuff. It isn't like, you know, we prepared it or anything. It's it's what the people out there want to hear if they do uh, call in or, or or email you or whatever. So, you know, we'll answer the questions. We don't have any special format. We just like to talk about football and the activities surrounding football. We do enjoy that. Now, the first time I met you up at the Burger Continental, Coach, that was just a lot of fun. And uh, 
I think just, that's how we got it all started. And I'm really glad you've been a part of this whole process. And it, it's, it's, it's helped me a lot, especially with all your radio experience. And, you know, we grow and grow as we do this. And hopefully the, the fans keep enjoying it. Well, thank you very much. And I'm honored to be a part of USCfootball.com. When you're having fun, uh, that's what it's all about. All right. Well, one of the pieces of feedback, where I also asked what people didn't like or what you'd like to see. And uh, we hadn't had any coaches on, uh, USC coaches on the podcast for, for quite a while. And uh, so th- there's kind of a unique opportunity. Three new coaches. Jeremy Bates is the new quarterback coach. Uh, Brian Schneider is the new special teams coordinator. And uh, Jethro Franklin is the, the new, he's returning as a defensive line coach. And, uh, and Dan Weike, who we just mentioned, the uscfootball.com beat writer was down on campus yesterday. They had a workout. We were down there filming and stuff, but Dan got to sit down with all three of those coaches, talk to each of them about 15, 20 minutes each. And uh, we put up a little special podcast coach. It's called the Trojan blast. It's kind of, it's not our weekly show, but every once in a while we'll add something to it. I mean, just to add a, a separate show, like kind of a special show. We put this up last night and the fans can go on there. You can still go to peristylepodcast.com, but if you want to listen, if you want to hear from all three of the new coaches at USC, we have all up there now. Have you met any of those guys yet, Coach? You know, uh, I have not, but I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting them. Uh, I hear nothing but great things about them. All I know is I remember Jethro Franklin when he played at Fresno State. He played at Fresno State and, of course, uh, went into coaching and uh, was at SC once before. Now is back coaching the defensive line at at USC. Uh, I've watched him coach. Uh, these other two coaches, uh, no, I'm not familiar with, but I've been checking them out. Okay, I've been checking them out with a lot of friends that have worked with him or been on the same staff with them or so on, and I get a lot of positive, positive responses from people that I really trust. I mean. I'll ask uh, these coaches the type of question, would you hire them? Would you have them on your staff? What would they bring to you? Why would you hire them? And these are personal friends of mine, and they, and they, and they tell me. And uh, most responses I have gotten, it's been tremendous on Jeremy Bates. A young coach, 32 years old. I don't want to ruin the interview and everything that you're having coming up. But I, I tell you, he's got a lot of vigor, a lot of energy. He's a player's type of coach. He's very knowledgeable about the game of football. I think he's going to bring a lot of enthusiasm, new ideas. He's been around football all his life. His dad's a football coach. And uh, I, I, I mean, and he's an honest type of kid. Like he said, I don't know much that much about college football. No, but... I haven't been in college football. Yeah. For sure. But, I mean, but he's going to learn. But he's going to bring a lot of pro ideas as far as the game and keeping the defense off balance and how to face a lot of these things that are happening on the defensive side of the football where everybody in college is now going to the pros and stealing their ideas. Like Marty Kiffin was on campus, I think, a couple of days this week, uh, the defensive coordinator now at Tennessee with Coach uh, Pete Carroll. I don't know if that's a secret or not. But no, I, not at I all. Will, yeah. huh? <laughs> no, not at all. It's not. Okay. So <laughs> I, I just, I'm just putting it out there because, and I think Jeremy Bates and I think the special teams coach is going to be great because you need to have a special teams coach. So you relieve your other coaches of the responsibility of having to look at the punt team or put the punt block in or, or all the different things that teams do while the other staffs have a coach working full time at it. 
So I think it's great the moves Coach Carroll has made. I think the coaching staff overall now will be stronger than it was in the past. And a lot of people say, how can I say that? Well, that's just a prediction. I think that it'll be enthusiastic. I think coaches like uh, when they come into a new situation and they appreciate what they have and they've been other people, they're enthusiastic. And players like to play for new personalities. And sometimes change is good. And I think in this situation, the change in USC is going to be positive. I'm I'm really excited too, Coach. I, especially, I mean, Bates seems like a cool guy. Never been in college, and he seems kind of excited to to try it out. And you know, the biggest thing for him, I think, was learning new terminology because it's the same offense, but he's got to go back. He's pretty much in school right now, trying to learn, you know, the different kind of terminology that they use because they they use the the traditional West Coast stuff, you know, through his whole coaching career. You know, he had Gruden and, and Shanahan stuff like that. But for Schneider, I mean, I'm I really. I felt over the years that they needed a full-time special team coach. And I think having him in there, and if you listen to the interviews, all the interviews are up on com. It's just the Trojan Blast new coaches interviews. So you can check them all out if you want to hear from all three of these guys. But I'm, I'm excited to see what that would be because I think it's going to bring a, a, you know, a different kind of dimension, especially this year when you're, there's going to be some questions uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that, that field position, the extra field position you get from all those special teams plays could could really play a big part. I agree with you 100%. And uh, he was at UCLA for a while, a special teams coach, and he knows the Pac-10, and he's been in the pros enough to learn what's happening on that level, too, the in the NFL. And I think he'll bring all that knowledge to USC on the special teams, and I think they'll they'll get a lot better and they'll be more – uh, there'll be more enthusiasm uh, when you when you coach it too, rather than it being another extra assignment on top of the duties you have. Now you got a guy blowing a whistle and running around with a blow horn or whatever he is that that's serious about it and takes the responsibilities about it and is nervous about it. And if it doesn't work, Coach Carroll's looking at him, so it's going to be better. So I think it's going to be great, and I think Jethro Franklin, Franklin has a lot of experience coaching the defensive line, and I think you've got to be able to play the defensive line. I think you've got to be able to uh, coach that most of your life. And Nick Holt was a great coach. He's a very good friend of mine. But he was a linebacker coach, basically, coaching the defensive line and trying to be the coordinator at the same time, along with Dave Watson helping him. And I, I don't know if Jet, that was – just in the mix right not that the defense didn't have a great year maybe it's about the best defenses of all time but but remember it's the player it's not always the coach it's the jockey or it's the horse it's not always the jockey but when there's a combination they're the favorite and i think when you get that type of combination which coach carroll i think has put together here i think it's going to be a great exciting year of trojan football because everyone is waiting and anticipating what is going to happen. And I think that's part of the great thrill of college football. I agree with you 100%, Coach. And uh, so if you guys want to check it out, com, you can hear the interviews of all three of the new coaches at USC. Um, Coach, there was a few questions we wanted to that the fans sent in. Would you mind answering a couple of them? No, I don't, I don't even have a clue what they are either. All right. Well, hopefully uh, they won't be too surprising. Uh, Paul from Santa Ana actually sent this in. A few weeks ago, and I forgot about it, so I wanted to get to it. But his question was basically about the secondary. Uh, you know, he feels there's good athletes and stuff in the secondary, but he wondered, you know, there's not as many interceptions. Do you feel that that's just kind of the defensive scheme, or what's going on there? Why aren't they getting as many picks in the secondary? 
Well, I, 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 you know, that's always tough. First of all, when you play a lot of man coverage, you don't get a lot of picks, okay? And uh, I think they're playing more man coverage now than they ever played before because you're basically covering the receiver and you're not looking at the ball. Uh, and you are looking at the ball when you turn around now. You have to do that, don't get me wrong, but you're covering a man and his moves and so on. So most of your interceptions will come from your safeties or backers or so on. Uh, when you play a lot of zone, then you get more interceptions. But but I think that uh, the the teams are more careful on how they throw on USC. I think the number one thing is interceptions are important with the turnovers, but coverage, too, is the number one thing. Uh, you know, if you remember last year, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know how many long passes they had completed on them. Did they have any long touchdown passes last year completed on them? I think Arizona State had one. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, there wasn't very many at all. That's, 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 that's right. one thing they've been limiting is the big passes as opposed to getting more picks. That's exactly right. And uh, you get you, when you play a lot of man, you have to rely a lot on your – underneath coverages and so on, and your free safeties, and they play Taylor May so deep that it is tough to get a lot of interceptions. And a lot of times when you play quarterbacks that throw the ball pretty good, they don't throw bad balls. And they and they, when you throw a lot of short balls, it, it's difficult to get that interception. But uh, uh, I think when you play better quarterbacks and you get great coaching offensively, you see less turnovers that way. You get more of your turnovers now if you – at least I get a feeling of this, by stripping the football, by fumbles, uh, by sacking the quarterback and stripping the football. You, you get a lot of turnovers that way now. You don't get as many interceptions, I, I don't feel, as you had in the past. Uh, you, don't, you don't see as much zone defense now. I, I think zones are, are good. They're, they're a safe way of playing, but... When you play a great team, they drive down the field and they nickel-dime you to death. You remember they, they, they played that coverage a, a couple of years ago at SC, and SC took a lot of criticism on that. But they didn't score a lot of points because Pete Carroll's philosophy is you can't go 80 yards on us. At one year, I think uh, the quarterback from Cal completed 26 straight passes against his own defense, but then SC beat them in the last seconds of that game when he didn't complete that very important pass. So, you know, uh, turnovers are created, I think, more in the stripping of the football now, uh, sacking the quarterback, strip, uh, recovering fumbles. You don't see as many interceptions. Now, I don't know that as a fact. I'm not going to – because I don't look at the stats. I don't study the stats like a lot of people tell you, no, that's not true, Coach. Last year there was 13 out of 18, this and that. No, I don't know that. They might have – some things – might get more interceptions, but I don't see the Trojans getting them. All right. Well, thanks, Coach. And uh, we have another question from Justin. He wanted to know who you think of all the skill position players is going to step up this year and be an impact player. Guys like McKnight, Stephon Johnson, C.J. Gable, Rojo, David Osbury, Havili, any of those guys. Who do you think is going to be, obviously with Mark Sanchez is gone, they're going to need someone from that skill position group to step up. Who do you think that could be this year? Well, if you want to say the rookie of the year, okay? I like that. I'm going to call it the rookie of the year, I think, is going to be Tyler, the running back. Mark Tyler. If they give him the opportunity that I hope they give him, he is going to be the surprise package. He is going to be the one everyone knows USC has, and they're hoping he doesn't get that opportunity. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm hoping. He, well, I hope he. I hope he stays in the background because he's been injured. 
but I tell you, he he hasn't got his real chance. When he did get his real chance and perform, man, I'll tell you what, he looked great towards the end of the year. And I, I'll tell you, he is the real deal. Not that the others aren't the real deal, but you asked me, asked me to pick someone who's going to maybe shine that no one expects to shine this year. If they line him up and let him have his turns, I'm going to tell you, that's why Green transferred. That's why Gable wanted to go out early, because they know this kid is a great player. Okay? I think this kid is going to be the surprise package rookie of the year. Not not to say Williams isn't going to have a great year and Johnson's not going to have a great year and all that. They, they We all know they're great players, okay? But offensively, Tyler has the potential to be the all-Pac-10 running back that SC has not had. Now, what I mean, they have had great backs, but they haven't played one enough to get the recognition of being all-Pac-10 or all-American. When's the last all-Pac-10 back? Help me out here. That was at SC. Oh, Reggie Bush, of course. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, uh, like they used to have one every year. Uh, but they're rotating so many players now, it's very difficult for them to have an all-league player because that player doesn't have the stats. But if they let Tyler play regularly, he is the short yardage guy. He is the home run guy. He's got hands. I'm telling you, he will be the atomic bomb to go along and assist the new rookie quarterback. Wow, Coach, that's really interesting. We'll have to see. Uh, we're actually going to put up some video from their uh, players-only practice coming up on the site, probably on Wednesday or Thursday, today or tomorrow, uh, we'll have some video. We got you know several shots of Mark Tyler catching balls out of the backfield and stuff, so you can check him out. He looks healthy out there, Coach, and that's a very, very interesting pick. And uh, I guess this leads into our next question. This is from uh, Albert. He wanted to know, is SC going to focus on the run game more this season simply because the USC has a new quarterback taking over? I think they should. I think they should early. I think they need to emphasize the running game. They need to really make that be a major part of their offense. I don't feel they have believed in the running game. I think they run the running game the last two years under Sarkeesian. I think they, oh, yes, we run the football, but only if you have to. I don't believe they've really wanted to play what you call smash mouth, where your offensive line knows, hey, it's third down or it's first down on the one. There is no way that we aren't going to score. There is just no way. We're not going to spread the field and throw the ball. We are going to tell you where we're coming and get off the football and run it in there. And if it's second and six, you're going to run the football and have the confidence in your offensive line and the confidence in the running game that you can rely on the running game if your passing game is not there. Now, what that does when you have that type of running game, it makes it a lot more easier for your passing game to work. So why not emphasize the running game? Why not make it a very powerful part of your offense, especially when you have a young quarterback with great receivers? Because if they play off those receivers just a little bit or make a mistake or try to fill off tackle, you can't recover to cover Williams, recover to, and or Johnson or McCoy or some of these guys. There is no way. And that will give a lot of confidence to the quarterbacks because they, they go in the game thinking, oh, I don't have to throw the ball every down, or oh, if I have an off day, we're going to get beat. No, they have confidence that we can run the football. Plus, 
the play-action pass will be a lot better for them, and they'll feel more comfortable. And also, I'd love to see them put in under Jeremy Bates, and I hope he brings his package with him. Because Sarkeesian did not have this in his package. And when I mean that, when you drop back and pass the football, you've got to keep the defense off balance. And the defense never felt off balance because they never had what you call a successful draw play or two or three different types of draw plays, regular draw, trap draw, quick draw, seven-step draw, where the defense had to have someone aware of the draw. Because when you run the draw play, you can run play-action pass off the draw play. When the backers step up to stop the draw, you've got the curl, you've got all the underneath, but your backers are gone. They can't just drop back out of there, but you have a real effective draw package. And that has been something SC hasn't had. Now, they ran the draw maybe ten times the entire season. But they didn't believe in it. They, they didn't perfect it. And the other teams knew they didn't have to stop it because they really aren't going to run it much. So why take away something you're not going to run? But if you develop that, then that will help the quarterbacks too because the quarterbacks can keep them off balance with the draw. And I think that's what you need to do with this young group of quarterbacks, very talented group. But you've got to play to their talent. You can't put all the pressure on them right away that I've got to go out and throw the ball or we're not going to win. That quarterback's got to feel like we can do it all and I'm just a part of it. Well, great stuff, Coach, as always. And hopefully the fans out there are a little more uh, educated on USC football. And, Coach, you're a little more educated on podcasts. I think we, we, we did a lot today. We did a lot today. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I feel bad because our time is up. And I hope we didn't you know, uh, slight anybody that sent in a question or anything. No, no, we're good. I think those are the questions we had for this week. Um, and, you know, we appreciate everyone. Send them in, podcast at uscfootball.com. And, Coach, thank you very much for answering them for everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And let's thank Southern California Ticket Service again. Definitely. Thank you, Coach. Thank sctickets.com for sponsoring this segment. Everyone else, we will be back in 30 seconds talking recruiting with USC football's Gerard Martinez. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. In this segment, we have uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez joining us. What's going on, Gerard? Nothing much. Just... uh... Getting on top of 2010 and my taxes. Yes. Spring football always is fun, but then tax, it's always tax season, which I don't like. But uh, your monthly feature, the, uh, the, the watch list coming out, the target list, um, 2010 offensive and defensive target list, hit uscfootball.com today. I wanted to kind of go over those a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of detail in there. So if you want to go to uscfootball.com, check it out. You get all the information on all the guys that are on the watch list. But we just wanted to hit a few highlight points, if that's okay with you. Yeah, you don't want to get into too much detail. I can tell that already. 
<laughs> well, there's a lot of detail in there. So, we, you know, they can check it out on the site. But I wanted to at least give people a flavor of kind of what was going on. Um, it looks like, in general, there's a lot more offers on the offensive side of the ball out from USC than on the defensive side of the ball. you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah. Uh, last year, the 2009 class uh, was basically a defensive class. So this class you're going to see – uh, a lot more offensive offers go out there, and you're going to see positions where they want to recruit more depth uh, for the offense, you know, running back and receiver specifically. Okay, and then uh, quarterback position up top, no offers out there yet. You don't expect them to take a quarterback in the 2010 class, is that right? Oh, no, I do. I definitely think they're going to take a quarterback. I think it's just a matter of evaluation. I think that it's a very, very important position. Uh, I think Jeremy Bates wants to get out on the road and see some of these guys in person. Um, I think uh, John Morton wants to see some of these guys in person. I, I think where USC sits, they don't have to play the guessing game with recruits. And with the quarterback position being as, as important as it is, they love Peter Thomas, 6'6", 210 uh, quarterback out of San Diego. He's a big pro-style kind of guy. Uh, you got Tyler Shreve, who a lot of people think is maybe the second-best quarterback in California. He's a big, tall kid, too. He's about 6'4", 6'5", 200 pounds, but he's more of an athlete out of Redlands East Valley High School. Um, so you've got two different types of quarterbacks, uh, but both are supposed to be pretty good. And then you've got a lot of guys that can round out, you know, that come of age kind of uh, during the spring that um, you want to get on the trail and you want to see in person. So I think that's really more uh, I think that's more important for them right now. Not so much, you know, well, we're not happy with, you know, who we're seeing. It's just you don't want to see more of it. They don't want to play a guessing game. They want to offer somebody to feel very confident and very comfortable with it. All right. And the running back position, uh, you know, a few offers out there. But it looks like they're, you know, fairly complete with Dylan Baxter and DJ Morgan already committed to USC. They feel pretty good. I mean, it, you know, Dylan Baxter is, is just a tremendous, tremendous player. Uh, saw him, uh, you know, uh, the other week, and he's about six foot now, about 200 pounds. Um, but he might be one of the best receivers in the country, uh, if not just California, but in the country. He's so smooth in his routes. He's not a blazer. He's not a big-time, you know, streaky-type guy that's going to get down the field. He's a little more of a work-it-in slant. Um, he runs a tree really well for a running back, uh, the passing tree. I mean, he can run just about any route, and he runs and doesn't slow down on his breaks. He's just fundamentally spectacular for a guy that's really playing running back most of his career in high school. Um, so he's a guy that can kind of uh, go into that slot. He can be a running back. He can do it all. D.G. Morgan's kind of the same. We saw D.G. Morgan at the football university camp at the Coliseum a couple weeks ago, and really, you know, in a camp setting like that, you want to see a guy play receiver because running back there's no there's no contact and with running backs you got to see somebody you know with pads on hitting somebody to really know what a running back can do so in that case he went to, to receiver and he was really good he looked a little ronald johnson-esque uh in getting downfield and just running by people but but looking pretty good in his routes not necessarily stiff like a track guy but still looking like a good football player so both those guys they might have some future at receiver just as much as they have future at running back. And we put D.J. Morgan's highlight tape up uh, from Taft High School in his junior year last year, uh, 5'11", 170, 175. Um, it's great film. I mean, it's, it's like Dylan Baxter film. I mean, that's why these, both, these guys got offers and they committed early because USC didn't have to see any more of them. They are that good. Uh, and then you have Lake Seastrunk out of Temple, Texas, who's a little smaller, about that 5'10", 195-pound range. Um, extremely explosive, though, whereas D.J. Morgan is a guy that accelerates uh, and has that top-end speed. 
Blake has that bottom end speed, that quickness, that can you make a cut and he's taken off on you so quick that he can really be a home run threat. And he's kind of got a little more of uh, what USC fans always search for, Reggie speed, in that you know he's going to make a move and then he's going to be gone and he's not going to be able to catch him. You're not going to be able to get angles on him because he's quick as he is fast. And so they have you know a great shot. Uh, obviously, the two guys that are committed, those guys are in the back. They haven't wavered. They don't look like they're going to waver. We'll see. Obviously, we learned that from 2009. But Lake Seastrong being the big gem, uh, they have a really good shot at him, too. So um, Malcolm Jones is another guy that got an offer. Anthony Barr got an offer. Both those guys are bigger guys. Anthony Barr, 6'4", 230 uh, at Loyola High School. He might be a little more of a – he's a more of an athlete. There's a lot of speculation as to where he's going to be. People are calling him a five-star, but – it's five star what you know is he is he going to be a five star <laughs> running back at six four I mean in college it's that's really tough to say I'd love to see him play some linebacker maybe and if he could tackle and show that he had quickness and aggressiveness on the defensive side of the ball then you really get excited because that's a great position got a lot of ties to Notre Dame a lot of people think he's headed off to Notre Dame we'll see you know how that goes uh, Malcolm Jones is the guy that got the most recent offer from USC he's about six foot two ten. Um, he's kind of a, I think I, I look at him more like a Stanley Havili type. I, I don't know that he's going to be a pure running back in USC system. I think he's a guy that they can kind of pop around, maybe using the F, uh, a little more of an H-back type guy. Uh, but he, he's had a, you know, a, a great year last year at, uh, Oaks Christian High School in, uh, West, uh, West Village, um, California. West Lake Village, he's, yeah. yeah, he's the, uh, the brother of Marshall Jones. Um, who is at USC right now playing safety, might end up playing corner. Uh, but uh, from all the, the information I get with Malcolm, sounds like uh, he's leaning maybe towards Stanford. So uh, we'll see. At this point, you know, the, the three big guys that they're going after, Baxter, Morgan, and Seastrunk, USC's got a great shot at all of those guys. Yeah, we got to see Jones in person a couple of years ago, actually going against uh, Curtis Moody McNeil. And uh, Jones was really impressive. I think he must have been uh... – he must have been a freshman then. He was still impressive at, at playing running back there. And Seastrunk's the kid. I believe if you told the story, he was wearing like the USC socks at the uh, Army All-American Combine down in Texas. He's a kid out of Temple, Texas. Yeah, Lake Seastrunk uh, loves his USC gear, but um, we'll see what happens. I think it ends up being an LSU-USC battle, and uh, it'll be interesting. Um, he's actually went up to Cal's junior day um, a couple weekends ago. Maybe it was just last weekend. And so he's, he's looking around, and, and, you know, all the stuff about USC, it's a lot of hype, uh, you know, at this time of year. You really can't get sucked into that. He's a guy that's got interest from everywhere in Texas. Uh, the Longhorns are, are just after him really, really hard. Uh, I don't think he's going to go to Texas. I don't think he's going to stay in state. I think it's going to be an LSU-USC battle. All right. Well, maybe the most uh, interesting position, both sides of the ball uh, this year, wide receivers. Uh, uh, you know, they, USC's got a few offers out there, some big-name guys. Uh, when I guess at the top of the list is Robert Woods, who I, I got to talk to him a little bit at the uh, Narbonne-Birmingham uh, CIF playoff game. He was on the uh, sidelines watching that game. But, you know, he's a kid that could be maybe the number one player in the country. Yeah, he's uh, just a tremendous player. You know, on and off the field, he's one of those guys that's really a true leader, um, a really good kid. You can see that he gets it, you know, just, just the, the bigger picture, I think, um, with him. And when he steps on the football field, he's the kind of kid that can make plays anywhere on the field. I mean, we've seen him score touchdowns on fumble recoveries, uh, interceptions, punt returns, um, obviously receptions and, and, and running the ball. But he does it in little ways just as much as he does it in the big ways. So 
he's a guy that's just a, a great overall athlete, a great guy to try to get in your program. Uh, it's just going to be a war for him, I think, in the Pac-10. You're going to have Cal. You're going to have UCLA. Uh, everybody kind of wants to just push him away from USC and say, oh, you know, there's this other school that he's really liking. I mean, USC is going to be there. He, he's, a, he's an SC fan. I think it's just a matter of SC getting him to, to sit down and, and kind of discussing the opportunities that he has at USC and really putting the recruiting pitch and, and the blueprint for him forward. That's, that's going to be the difference, I think, in his recruitment. Um, but they're going after, you know, Marquis Sambles is from uh, Georgia, McDonough, uh, or McDonough, Georgia, uh, Henry County High School, about 6'1", 185-pound uh, receiver. A lot of these guys that we're looking at in this class, which is going to be intriguing, we're going to have a write-up on this pretty soon because it's it's really it's becoming intriguing. Uh, this, there's so many slot receivers in 2010. There's a lot of guys that are more slot receivers than there are flankers. I mean, the only guys that I'm seeing that are flankers, the biggest name out there is uh, at, at this point right now, you know, obviously it's very early in the evaluation process, Darius White from Fort Worth, Texas, who's 6'4", 205 pounds, Big, lanky kid um, that uh, you know a lot of people are offering. USC has yet to offer him. I think that's going to eventually change. Big time basketball player, uh, but that's the only guy that with with real legitimate height that we're looking at. You know, on this target list that seems to be a real special talent. Everybody else is in that six foot six one range, it seems, and they're more or less slot receivers. Now it works for USC in one way because. They're going to be losing Ronald Johnson. They're going to be losing uh, Damian Williams. They're going to be losing Trevon Patterson. They've got a lot of guys. They've got a real top-heavy junior class, and, and there are a lot of slot receivers there. So I think the success of Damian Williams and the success of Ronald Johnson playing there in the same rotation, you know, three wide receiver set being on the field at the same time, it expands that Z receiver position that USC plays. So they're going to be able to recruit more guys like that. But at the same time, how many guys do you want to recruit that are kind of in the same mold? And how it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to stack that position. So you got a lot of guys. Trevon Reed, he's going to get an offer pretty soon. He's from Thibodeau, Louisiana, uh, six foot, one seventy five. We saw him at the Army Combine. He's, he ran a four five flat on a very slow field. He's got great swagger. He's got great breaks in his routes. He's got good hands. He's a he's really probably one of the best athletes overall on this board. Um, USC offered Christian Green really early in the process. He plays quarterback at six two, about two hundred pounds uh, from Tampa, Florida, and he's a guy that's kind of got the Peter Warwick kind of thing going. Great moves in space, but again, not a guy that doesn't have a lot of height. So he's so he's going to be more of a slot receiver. So you know we'll see how it kind of develops. It's going to be very interesting because there are some good receivers in this class, and it's just going to be interesting to see the strategy as how USC starts to go after them and the priority in which they they send out offers. Now, there's a lot of out of state guys too, so I mean that's going to be interesting as well if they have to drop down the board. I mean, what about a guy? I mean, I don't know if he could play the Z, if he'd play. Uh, the, flanker or slot but like a Kimbrell Tompkins from Torrance well now Kimbrell Tompkins is a is a JC guy that's actually originally from Miami Northwestern High School so he's out here uh, I think at El Camino Junior College and that's a guy that's kind of um, he's got a lot of ties back east he's got an offer from Florida Florida's recruiting him hard already so that's going to be kind of an interesting thing USC is very reluctant to go hard after junior college players there's got to be a lot of research done on their transcripts and where their grades are at so that's going to be something that is going to put them behind the eight ball probably uh, immediately from a lot of those teams back in Florida if Kimball Thompson wants to go back to Florida all right so a lot of interesting stuff at wide receiver especially with the out-of-state ties even with with Tompkins there um if we went tight ends uh you know I think you know losing Morel Presley last year and you know we can talk about Orson Charles um coming in for 2009 I mean he's still 
And we can, I guess we can briefly touch on that now. He's supposed to decide this week. So if USC gets him, I mean, that could change what happens on the tight end class. But if they don't, I mean, it becomes an, more of an important kind of position. And we did have a, a reader question that came in, and they wanted to know if uh, USC was going to offer uh, C.J. Fedorowicz uh, out of Illinois. Is he a kid that's going to – he's a big kid, 6'7", 240 or so. Is he a kid you think going to get a USC offer here? I think he's high on the list. I think that he's definitely a possibility. Um, we'll kind of see. It's going to be difficult. I mean, he's coming from Illinois, and it just seems like Notre Dame has a lot of pull there. And so, you know, USC doesn't want to spin their wheels on guys necessarily, but that's definitely a top guy nationally. Uh, Christian Thomas, they've already offered. Uh, he's he's a little more of a kind of H-back type guy. He's 6'3", probably more really like 6'2 and a half, uh, about 235 really fast, really quick, kind of an explosive guy. Uh, played both sides of the ball really well last year um, up there in Palmdale. He plays for, uh, I think it was Highland High School, which is in Palmdale-Lancaster area. Um, but he's a guy that's um, really dynamic, but not really the prototypical tight end because he doesn't have the height, the six four six five. The guy who's more prototype is Randall Telfer uh, from Ranch Cucamonga High School, who's about six four, a uh, legitimate 220, blocks well, really high cut. He's got a uh, long stride. Um, I, I like I like his potential a lot just because of that height and kind of what he could grow into. I think he'd be 240 pretty quickly and not lose a lot of his speed. And the kid's still learning. I mean, he's just starting, starting to learn to play football. And he showed up at USC's junior day with a, a, a USC sweatshirt on, so we're going, mm, he likes USC. <laughs> uh, but supposedly he's going to be at UCLA for their little their ninth little junior day get-together um, this weekend so we'll see kind of maybe he has a ucla you know sweatshirt too um but uh but so yeah the, the tight end position it's very important i think it's very important even regardless of what orson charles does to be honest with you I, you know orson charles is down to the, his latest three his last three which is going to be tennessee usc georgia he's going to announce friday um you know it, it's it's really hard to to get a feel for where he's leaning towards a lot of people feel georgia um and a lot of the latest updates have been coming from Georgia, and we've been hearing, you know, a lot about uh, how comfortable he is with the coaching staff because they've been recruiting him so long. And obviously, in this top three, I mean, you have Tennessee. Lane Kiffin just got the job at Tennessee, so that recruiting process for Orson Charles did start till late. USC has actually been in touch with Orson a lot sooner than people realize. I mean, they were talking to him over in May. Um, so they they've had a little bit of a relationship with them. I just think that you know over the summer and during the season there was kind of a break in communication because they had Morrow Presley and they had other guys that were really trying to recruit hard. But obviously when Morrow Presley decommitted and went to UCLA, that opened up the door for hey we need a guy we need we need to get a guy badly. I mean they just need to. Um, they've got you know what three guys on on the on the roster right now that are scholarship guys. They got uh, Red Ellison, they got Anthony McCoy, and then they've got Blake Hale. So those are the those are really the top three guys that they're going to have in there and you know they're going to be losing Anthony McCoy here so it's it's pretty pertinent that they get a, a tight end in this class and I think if they don't get a tight end in this class being 2009 Orson Charles they might have to go after two guys in the next class so that's going to be a place where again kind of like quarterback they're going to they're going to wait on it a little bit and they're going to really want to see you know what they can get out of it what what guys are going to be out there they've already got one offer out there to Christian Thomas I don't foresee them just jumping after another offer until maybe you see the evaluation process come around and you get the coaches on the road and they get to see those guys in person. All right, should be some interesting offensive linemen in this class as well. A couple of big names on the top of the list. Uh, Jake Matthews out of Texas, Chaz Green out of Florida. Uh, both of those guys have USC offers. Uh, the one guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, a story went up this week on USCFootball.com. Dak Smith 
uh, out of Compton. Six seven three thirty five. Big kid. Can you tell us a little about him? Dakota Smith. Yeah, he's uh, the son of Toadie Smith, uh, the late Toadie Smith, who died in nineteen ninety nine. Um, he's uh, the nephew of Bubba Smith, who was a great NFL player. And um, you know, what can you say? He's a legacy. And he came down to USC for their junior day and said he was verbally offered by Pete Carroll and basically committed, verbally committed on that. Uh, we're going to wait and say he's an official commit when he gets his written offer. I, I just, I'm, I'm a little more comfortable with that. But he's definitely a guy that is unique. I mean, what do you do with a guy that's six seven over 335 pounds? I mean, that's, you know, he's supposedly going to be playing uh, nose tackle. It's a position that they talked about him coming in and recruiting at. I still like him a little more on the offensive line. I think that's going to be where his highest ceiling is. So on the target list, we've kept him on the offensive line. Uh, but um, he's a guy that uh, it's just a, a matter of when and not if. He's definitely in love with USC and, and going to be a guy that uh, he believes Cardinal and Gold. Uh, we're just going to have to see, you know, if the, the coaching staff waits a little bit on getting him a written offer and seeing where his weight is because that's going to be the biggest thing is making sure that he really wants to back up what he's saying um, with uh, working out hard, staying in shape, and being disciplined that way because when you're, you know, you're already over 335 pounds as a high schooler, uh, and a junior, you know, you got to be careful with that. So um, he's a guy that's uh, kind of penciled in, I guess, lightly on the offensive line, defensive line. Um, then you've got Chaz Green, who's an offensive tackle that USC offered really early in the process. He was the first offensive lineman that they offered, um, and he's from Tampa, Florida. Uh, so that was, you know, out there looking at some other guys, uh, probably Orson Charles. Um, they got the chance to check out Chaz Green and, and get some tape on him, and they liked what they saw enough. Probably an offensive tackle, 6'5", 290 pounds. Um, Jake Matthews got an offer not too long ago. I think he's the most recent offer. There's only two offers on the offensive line right now, uh, and he's about 6'5", 275, probably a true tackle. A lot of people love him in Texas. They think he's going to be you know, the best offensive lineman in Texas. Uh, University of Texas has tried really hard to get him committed early and tried just about every trick in the book they could do to get him uh, to commit early. They've got 19 commitments in their class already. They wanted to make him 20. He's not biting. It sounds like it's going to be Texas A&M or USC. It's just a matter of whether he wants to stay close to home. Uh, Bruce Matthews is his father. Uh, Clay Matthews obviously being his uncle. He has a lot of ties, family ties to USC. I think USC is in a pretty good position right now once they get him out to the camp and, and he gets to see the basically the scheme and just get comfortable around the coaching staff. He's taken unofficial visits to uh, USC before, so um, he knows what it's about to, to a certain extent. It's just a matter of you know, leaving home and, and, and playing away from home, uh, and that's really right now the only other option he has is Texas A&M for that. Um, there's, there's a lot of other guys on the board, you know, some good, some good offensive linemen that USC is being real – just really careful with as far as offers and, and, and not getting too crazy and going after guys too early. Central Henderson, a lot of people talk about being the best offensive lineman in the country, 6'8", 300 pounds, plays out there in Minnesota, you know, not the hotbed of football um, that, you know, you know, Florida, California, Texas is. And I think that that's something that, you know, has, has probably maybe slowed the roll a little bit on his offer. Um, they want to evaluate him more probably in person. But he's a really good player. Evan Washington's a guy that, uh, you know, has a lot of uh, – uh, well, he has some ties to Ken Norton Jr. because his father played uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so, you know, there's another guy, maybe an offensive tackle, uh, a guy that's probably right now it sounds like it's a plan B for the University of Texas if Texas can't get Jake Matthews. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Evan Washington. And you go down the line, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of good players out there. It seems a little more of a national year. 
not a ton of great guys in state, but um, and it's a year probably where USC wants to get three or four guys because they only got two guys in, in the last class. So um, it'll be you know kind of a, a normal recruiting year in terms of uh, the numbers and kind of how USC goes about uh, offering guys and who they go after and how hard they go after those guys. So it's going to be obviously I think uh, emphasis on the camps. Now, Gerard, just a kind of general question. Uh, we're going to have to talk about the defensive target list next week when we get you on. But Oh, it, come on. Are we going to tease people like that? We got to you know, we, we covered so much on the offense. But a lot of Texas guys, I noticed, on your board. And Texas already has 19 commitments um, from the class of, you know, for their class of 2010. So none of these guys obviously fit into that mix there. Is is do you feel that the guys that Texas have offered, I mean, these are like the higher-end guys that Texas hasn't got to commit yet, or what's the story with that? Uh, honestly, I think so. I mean, a lot of the better players that, uh, I mean, the guys that have been, of the 19 guys that US, or excuse me, that Texas has committed, um, USC wasn't really looking at uh, most of them, 16 of them. I mean, there's really, most of those guys are just guys that, that weren't really, I mean, some of those guys weren't even really offered by other schools or looked at other schools. Now, obviously, Texas has the edge on evaluation on their own state, you know, being the big dog in the state of Texas, they're going to have, uh, uh, they're going to be ahead of the curve as far as knowing, you know, who's the top guys and who's not, but they've gone after Darius White hard. They've gone after Jake Matthews hard. Um, there's a few guys that they've, they've really gone after. Obviously like Seastrunk, they really want to, those guys have not committed early. The longer guys don't commit early, the less of a chance Texas seems to have them. You know, Texas Texas just doesn't like to recruit, I think, after the summer. So they like to get their class done. There'll be, you know, 24 commits or something like that by the time they're in September. And it kind of, that's the end of it. And they pressure guys. They want to get guys done early. They don't want to mess around into the season and be recruiting uh, 2010 kids. They want to have that class done. And so, yeah, there's been some top guys. The guys, the majority of guys that USC is looking at, the majority of guys that are on the SE target list are still uncommitted. So um, those seem to be more of the national-type prospects. And uh, the guys that Texas has had committed, a few of them, I mean, from an outside perspective, and like I said, Texas, University of Texas, would, would know more than, than I or any other school as far as the evaluation of Texas goes, you would, you would, you would assume. Um, but some of those guys are kind of head-scratchers. You kind of look at it and go, oh, this, this is a guy that's interesting. I, I don't know why they went after that guy when they could have waited and maybe gone after this other guy like uh, a Darius White or um, even a DeAndre White is a kid that's uh, from Houston that's just blazing fast. We just saw his film the other week, and he's tremendous. He might have some great issues, but uh, – Six foot, uh, 180, uh, probably a 10, 6, 100 meter guy. But when you watch him in football, man, that guy is explosive. And there's just those kind of players that, and you, and Texas has, has been known to miss on guys because of their strategy to go on guys early and to throw their, their offers out there. There are guys that, you know, that pop up later in May and June and over the summer. And then, you know, it's kind of like already done. Texas has already got their class filled and they, they kind of take that hit. But that's, that's the way they do it and that's the way they've done it. All right. Well, Gerard, thank you very much for your time. And like we said, next week we're going to talk to you about the defensive target list. We also have just a little tease. We have Chris Carlisle is going to be coming on the show next week. So uh, the USC Strength and Conditioning Coaches should be a good show. So hopefully you guys can tune in for that. But thanks again, Gerard. No problem. All right, everyone else, we'll be back in 30 seconds talking to former USC kicker David Beeler, who tore it up at the NFL Combine. You're listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. 
Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and as promised, we have a very special guest with us this week. We have David Beeler, USC kicker the last few years, and he uh, tore it up at the NFL Combine. Uh, David, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. So, uh, Indianapolis last week, uh, you go out there. I mean, it's got to be a, a pretty unique experience for you. Can you take us back through a little bit and see what was it like going in there? Well, I, I, I went in, you know, and I talked to, I got to talk to, uh, Tom Malone, Max Spanos, you know, players I've been through it. I've got, I got to talk to, uh, to, uh, Coach Schneider, you know, the new special teams coach here at SC that, uh, that was with the Raiders for a while. So, you know, I got, I got both perspectives, you know, a player that went through it and, and a coach that, you know, was coaching during the combine, you know, so and scouting and whatnot. So, um, I felt like I was pretty prepared going into it. I, you know, I just had a professional mindset, uh, going in, you know, just all, all I was thinking about is, you know, going in and get the job done. Um, you know, I've, I've been kicking, I've been kicking for long enough. So my confidence was sky high. You know, I knew I could get the job done and, uh, and go in there and, you know, it's just, I, I put myself back out on the, on Howard Jones, you know, that's what you guys do when you're in those, uh, pressure situations, you know, you're, you're kicking in front of 300, you know, or 250 somewhere on there coaches and special teams. Special teams coaches, all the decision makers in the in the NFL. So I mean, if if you really think about it, I mean, it'd be quite nerve wracking. But uh, I was relaxed going out there, and then I just needed to get the job done, and that's what I did. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like the ultimate job interview there. I mean, obviously, it's you know could have a big impact on your future, and a lot of Trojan fans got to kind of get a glimpse of the what it was like. If you haven't seen it, David did a uh, four part series, a blog series on PeteCarroll.com, and it was really interesting to kind of hear what he had to say after each day, how, how rushed they kind of were. Was that a fun experience for you doing that blogging? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I got, I got to do it with Ben, um, Ben Malcolmson, you know, going in the shrine game. So, uh, it was kind of the shrine. I, I considered the shrine game kind of a warm up to, uh, the combine. Um, you know, cause I was, I was there with scouts and whatnot. And then me and Ben did the blog during the shrine game. So, I mean, it was, it was fun to interact with the fans. I've got, I got a lot of feedback, you know, emails, um, so a lot of a lot of people I could tell were uh, were supportive of it and, and liked it. So uh, I I appreciated doing it, and you know I'd call Ben every night, kind of tell him how my day went. So it wasn't that much of a hassle on me. You know Ben would write it up. So uh, I mean it was it couldn't have been any better. Yeah, it was uh, just reading it. I went back and read it again just to to refresh myself, and it was it was pretty interesting how you just kind of woke up and you didn't even have a you know when you got there you traveled all day didn't have a chance to put your bags down and there's all this weird drug testing going on where you, and you know where they you know have to be in full frontal view, I guess you could say, of uh, of the guy who's, yeah. who's doing the testing and taking the wonder lick. It's just all the stuff leading up to what you do on the field seemed kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of crazy, you know, to think about how how that stuff correlates uh, to the on the field play. I mean, that's that's what they're really paying you for. But I mean, I can understand if they're investing half a million or, or whatever you get, uh, at least at least 310000 which is the league minimum. So if they're investing that much money in you, they want to know what kind of person you are. I mean, if you're a college student, I mean, I've, I've never I've never had that much money, you know, obviously. So, I mean, um, 
going into it, you want they want to know that you're a level-headed kid. You know, going to spend it the right way, and 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 you know, you you don't have a criminal record, you know, and and um, and and you're worthy of, of becoming an NFL player. So I mean, it's it's cool. It's cool the process, you know, of going through it. It's it's well structured, very very professional, um, very very business savvy, and um, it. it it's it's cool it's cool to go there and, and actually live it you know and I I try I try to uh, to bring that to uh, the the SC fans and and um, and show them what I was going through you know making part of the experience. One of the uh, if you the message boards always talk you know before the draft and the combine and all this stuff. One of the the most I mean I guess the most popular topics is that Wonderlick test and I, I think you went in there you said it was fifty questions and you answered like twenty seven of them because you wanted to make sure you get them. The ones you did answer correctly. What was that like? And did they ever give you your score? Uh, they haven't given me my score. Um, I, I took I took one in the trying game as well, and ended up answering twenty six. So I got I got one more question, but uh, I'm usually a pretty slow test taker. So you know, I was, I was trying to be methodical about it and take my time. But uh, you can't you can't really do that. I mean, you have twelve minutes to take it, and there's fifty questions. Most people don't get to the end. I mean, it's just it's pretty much like an SAT. So you're kind of going in there, you know. You have to you have to think the question over, but you have to also be quick and efficient. But uh, I, I believe I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident in all 27 answers I got, you know, just because I worked them out and, and feel like I feel like I went in there and uh, and and did well with the uh, with the questions I answered. Yeah, I mean that would be a good score. It's it's funny when people talk about it. I mean, do they actually inform you? Because it's always like there's always rumors of some guy got this low score or whatever, and it comes out later on. Uh, I, I don't know when I'm gonna get my score. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully I didn't do uh, do too bad on it. No, no, not you. Uh, but that, yeah, that's what I, usually people I, talk about. They want to talk about the guy who got an eight or something. On the test. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't mean to to put uh, Vince Young out there, but I know um, <laughs> uh, that was that was the one rumor I heard of him not doing well. So uh, I, I'm sure everybody kind of studied a little bit more after that happened and. Uh, didn't want didn't want to be that guy, you know. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk when you go in there after you do that kind of stuff. There's a lot of interviews, obviously, but the they, they weigh you. You weighed in at 227, which you said that was a, a good you know weight for you, usually between 225 yeah. and 230. Um, but yeah. I, I guess the bench press and the the 40 times are where people kind of you know <laughs> they turned a few heads where you put up 25 reps on the bench of 225 and then ran a 4.5640, which you know, frankly, beat you know you beat like twenty something offensive linemen on the bench, and you beat plenty of skill position players in the forty times. So I think that's that's why everyone got you got a lot of people's attention. Yeah, well, I I try to go in there, you know, um, um, you know, I am a kicker, you know, that's probably what get me in the NFL, you know, but I've I have a playing background, you know, I used to be play safety, you know, tailback and whatnot, so I have I still have that athleticism, so I'm just trying to go out there and show it. I mean, anything that could set me apart from my competition is good, you know. I mean. That's just another way to to market myself and make myself more valuable. So I went in there, you know, I didn't I didn't have to bench, I didn't have to didn't have to run, but uh, I thought it could really help me, and, and which which it helped me immensely. And I mean, I could I could never uh, imagine, you know, getting this much media publicity and, and whatnot just just for going in there and, and doing my thing. You know, I mean, I, I I knew I could I knew I could do that, put up those numbers and whatnot. So I mean, um, it's just it, it's cool it's cool um, the publicity I got. I mean, it, it helped me out. And, like I was saying, any any way to market myself is good. And, you know, if, if the media wants to uh, wants to get on it too, then you know I, I, I'll show that I could uh, handle myself with the media and whatnot. 
Yeah, Rich Eisen actually did a little piece on you too when there were some of the eye, you know, eye catchers of the combine and you were the guy that came up because when, when, when the kickers came up, I guess, you know, most of the scouts had left at that point. So there wasn't as many people out there to, to see what you did. Yeah. I mean, most, uh, I, I've told the story before, but most of the people, uh, um, you know, there was probably a good 200, 200 people, uh, in the, in the bleachers. Um, you go on stage, benches on, on the stage, you know, and, and the, uh, the coaches are in the bleachers. So the tight ends, you know, get up, get finished, and, and whatnot, and we're we're waiting in, in line. And then uh, the strength coach says the tight ends are done, but uh, there's two snappers and three kickers that are gonna, are going to bench press, and at least four fifths of the of the crowd got them walked off. <laughs> oh. So I mean, it was nobody, nobody expected you know a kicker to uh, to throw up uh, throw up what I did. So I mean, <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't I didn't really expect a lot of people to uh, to stick around either. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. But then then the on field stuff came out, and, it, and you know, just from what I've read, it seems like you performed there uh, really well as well. The the kickoffs, the one thing I guess you said, um, or a couple of things in the blog that you had a four point four eight hang time on one of your kickoffs, and one of the coaches was really impressed with that. Said he hadn't seen that before. And I guess the one issue you said that you haven't really done directional kicking. Is that correctly? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I went in because we were we were allowed to have eleven kickoffs. Um, you know, we did five in a row where we just hit as high and deep as we can, um, three right deep right, and then three left deep left. So you're trying you're trying to angle it. The first the first five, you know, I was just booming. My leg was fresh, um, was prepared. You know, I, I've increased my flexibility. I uh, was doing squats, you know, leading up to the combine, which I hadn't done in a while. So I mean, I was I was doing everything the right way. So my my leg, you know, felt felt at its peak, felt felt good to go and and whatnot. So when I got out there. Um, you know, I just let loose and just, you know, let everything, let everything explode. And, and I was crushing the ball and the ball well, but then uh, on directionals, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to place it more than just, uh, just kicking it. You know, I was trying to think about it too much. And, uh, the first two went off my toe and I was just like, you know, I'm, I have the strong leg, you know, I'm, I'm here to showcase that. So I was just, I, 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 I tried to go right, you know, but I was, I was more focused on just hitting it deep. So, uh, a lot of coaches came up to me, uh, especially coaches came up to me afterwards and, and told me that if I were on their team, you know, if I was kicking off for them, they'd just tell me to uh, to just boom it. So uh, that was reassuring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like I can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, we'd, we'd probably take the directional thing out of the equation and just have you, uh, have you kick, kick it uh, as far as you can. <laughs> That's funny. And then uh, the field goal stuff started. It looked like you got off to a, a really good start. There, you hit your first ten. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I went 10, 10 of ten. Um, then I, I was I was at eleven of twelve for one point, and then we um, had fifty yards right down the middle. You know, I've I've kicked that many times. You know, I, I I'm usually pretty consistent with that kick, but um, we, like I was saying, we had eleven kickoffs. Uh, you know, I probably I probably hit at the end of the day I hit around sixty balls. And I don't think I've done that in a day since fall camp. You know, I didn't I didn't expect going in that we we're gonna have to kick that much. I kind of um, was a little surprised, you know. I, I thought I thought I knew what to expect, but that that kind of threw me off. So uh, when I got to that 50 yard, you know, my leg was was sore, tired. You know, I was pra- I was trying to stay focused. You know, I was, I was keeping that mental focus, but my body was just exhausted. My leg was kind of kind of sore and whatnot. I mean, that's that's no excuse for missing them. But uh, I, you know, I should I should have made them. I, I should have finished strong, and I wish I had that back. But uh, I hope I hope my kickoffs and my field goals before that impressed impressed the coaches enough that. Uh, that you kind of overlook those uh, those misses at the end. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, 
did other kickers have a problem with that? I mean, there weren't that many kickers out there, but I mean, it's got to be hard doing that many, all those kickoffs followed by the, the kicks and do it, especially the 50 yarders to end it all. Yeah. Um, I know, I know, uh, Jose Martinez from UTEP maybe hit one out of three there. He might, he might've missed them all too, but, uh, um, you know, the competition was, was high there for the kickers. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of really good kickers. So, uh, um, it was interesting to see, you know, I, I got, I got to know all of them, great guys and whatnot. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was fun going out there and doing my thing. You know, I was, I was pretty much out there, you know, with friends, it felt like, you know, so I kind of took a little bit of pressure off, but, uh, it was, it was fascinating to see all those guys kick, you know, I've been following their careers, you know, seeing, seeing my, what my competition would be like. And they, they went there and they did, they did a good job too. So, I mean, um, it was an overall a fun experience. Now, I just want to give Trojan fans kind of an update. You're you're still taking classes now, and you're set to graduate in May. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually have, have an advanced finance midterm at 6 today, so uh, oh. definitely not looking forward to that. <laughs> well, sorry, we'll, we won't keep you then. We don't want, we don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Just a few minutes a few minutes here and there won't, won't hurt. So it takes me away from the studying a little bit and keeps, keeps my sanity. Now, now, part of the stuff you do at the Combine, I mean, there's a lot of interviews and stuff. you got to talk to people. One of the, the questions I had was, you know, is the versatility that you brought, does that, I mean, is that something that people take into account where, yeah, this maybe he's my kickoff guy, but he could also do some other stuff for us? Like, does that come into the play? Like, did they ask you about that kind of stuff? Um, we, I, I interviewed um... – I interviewed with with all the special team coaches before I kicked or before I even benched or ran forty. So I'm not. I mean, they probably knew about my athleticism, but I don't know if they uh, if they took that in consideration. I mean, I've I've definitely heard uh, talks. You know, I've, I've gotten you know um, asked about you know whether whether that's going to happen. You know, I could go as a kickoff guy slash you know kind of a special teams backup or or you know even a starter. You know, just fill that roster void. Um, so I, I you know I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely I'm definitely game for it. I mean. I, I haven't really uh, suited up and hit anybody for you know two years. I've been constantly the team thing, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to do whatever whatever the team wants me to. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be I'm going to be a team player and think about the team first and just uh, and go from there. If they want me to play special teams, I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it's just I mean, there's only 53 roster spots, right? So anyone that can play more than one position is usually uh, that kind of wild card seems to to impress some of the NFL people. I didn't know if, but you know, maybe you guys will talk about that at the pro day or something. Uh, I guess the, um, yeah, well, oh, go ahead. I'll probably, I'll, 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 I'll probably talk to my agents about that and whatnot and kind of figure out, you know, I mean, it, it would be cool to play special teams, but then, then again, there might be a freak accident, you know, where I go down there and, you know, hurt my leg and I can never kick, you know, kicking is what can get me to, um, my best chance to get me to the league. So, I mean, um, if I, if I do hurt my, my leg, God forbid on special teams, you know, I mean, my my NFL career is done, so I'm not. I mean, I'm not sit down and see the risk, you know, risk and reward of reward of uh, of playing on such teams. Oh, that's that's a really good point, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of different from those days where you trotted out. Was it a, three years ago against Cal? You came out in the neck roll like you were a backup fullback yeah. <laughs> and hit a 49 yard field goal there. It's kind of kind of started your career at SC. Yeah, those 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 were the days, you know. <laughs> Back back in the old days, that that, that was true though. Kind of kind of jump started me, you know, put me on the map. So, uh, so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that game, that kick, you know, and and uh, the rest was history. Yeah, we, I think we talked about that with you numerous times on USCFootball.com. But it's always a it's always a fun story to see the kicker come out in a neck roll and uh, outrun people. Um, <laughs> we had, we had a few user questions. I want you know some uh, some fans sending some questions. Hopefully, you wouldn't mind answering a couple of those. 
Is that all right? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. For sure. Um, so Steve wrote, uh, I want, this is not exact words, but he wanted to know if you, uh, needled any of your teammates, your former teammates like Ray, Clay, Cushing, stuff like that about, ha- and this is what he said about having them as appetizers at the combine. <laughs> so he just wanted to know if you were teasing some of your, uh, some of the linebackers and some of your other, you know, position players when you beat them out at uh, different things at combine. <laughs> That's that's a funny question, but uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't got I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, Ray or or Clay since the combine, but uh, I was I was on uh, uh, the Facebook chat uh, with Kush, you know, just kind of kind of give him give him a little uh, little little rip here and there, you know, just just trying trying to rub it in, you know. What I mean, here <laughs> at, at FC at FC, you know, you, you you give me give me some stuff, you know. I was I, I'm not a, a true football player, I'm a converted soccer player, you know. So I mean, I just went out there and and. Uh, and showed that I could get it done. So, I mean, obviously, obviously I'm going to say a couple of words, you know, to uh, retaliate against him. Now, you have to, I mean, just, I don't remember if we talked about this before, but just looking at you, like, I normally, normally guys will make fun of the kickers and stuff, but didn't they have to accept you a little bit more just because you could run as fast as they could? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I, got, I think I gained a little respect, you know, that I was a player first and then, uh, and then started to kick. So, I mean, I, I think, I think I got some, uh, some uh, props from the guys uh, on that and, and whatnot. So uh, I think I, I think that kind of made me fit in with, with the team a little bit better. But you know, I mean, these guys these guys here are always always kidding around and whatnot. So I mean, I expected a little uh, a little trash talk from Kush and Clay and whatnot. But uh, now now I'm just uh, dishing it back. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet you if you you make it on an NFL team, hopefully you will. That uh, they would probably there'd be a little bit more acceptance there as well, just because of the stories that they would hear. But um, so okay, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Bill and Cypress wanted to know on kickoffs, is there any part of you that just wants to kick it a little bit shorter than you normally would just so you can go and lay the wood to some guy? <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely, it, it's definitely fun, you know, when the, when the guy breaks it through the, through the hole, you know, and you're last on the defense and you have, you have to get the guy down. I mean, I, uh, it definitely gets me a little pumped up and, uh, and reminds me back of my, about, of my playing days. But uh, I always try. I always try to hit the touchback. You know, that's more that's more satisfying and whatnot. But uh, sometimes I always, I do hit it short, and you know, and the guy the guy breaks through, and I have to make that tackle. So you know, I mean, it's it's always fun to do that because uh, I don't get that many opportunities anymore. But uh, I hope to uh, I hope to light some guy up. You know, sooner or later, once uh, once I get the right angle. You know, I'm, I always usually go for the, the for sure tackle. You know, just to bring him down. But there there'll be. There will be some occasions, you know, eventually in the future. Hopefully, well, uh, all the chance, you know, kind of sneak around the corner, and then the guy doesn't see me, so I can lay my lay my uh, helmet right in his chest. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, so, someone on the message board, was, his, his handle is 29th Street King. So apparently, he was big, big on 29th Street. But he wanted to know. I mean, you talked about in the blog about the drug testing they did there. He was curious. What is it like at USC? Like, I mean, obviously you got to go through some kind of drug testing stuff. What's it like doing the testing in college? Um, it's 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 pretty much the same thing. I mean, there's there's um, an NCAA test and a uh, and a, uh, a test from the trainers at USC. So I mean, there's two tests that come around randomly, you know, and you never know when to expect them. And uh, the NCAA, you know, um, they don't they don't test as often as, as the school does. I mean, they all they all test for you know the street drugs, uh, steroids, you know, performance enhancing anything, you know, um, you know. So I mean, it, it, if you're if you're doing stuff, you're getting caught, and um, it's it's. I mean, you you get probably like I think 12, 
random players from each team, you know, you'll probably do it at least once a month. So uh, I, while I was at SC, I got I got drug tested twice. So. Okay. All right. It's, just, it's all it's all it's all it's all random stuff, and you know, you know, the trainer will come up to you the day before and say you're on the drug test, and you have to wake up. At, you have to be in there at 7 a.m. You know, to uh, ready to go, and obviously they they kind of do the same thing. Uh, you know, kind of get that frontal view and, and make sure you're not cheating. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then uh, this is the last uh, the last guy. He had a couple parts of this question. It was uh, Jackson FF, so I think he might be a Bay Area guy. But he wanted to know if you envisioned yourself as a safety or a kicker um, coming out of JC. Which which one did I envision myself? As? Yeah. Um, I kind of I kind of wanted to do both. You know, I've always always had the strong legs, so. I'm, I figure I could I could get in college and do kickoffs. I never thought I never thought I was I'd be a field goal kicker. I mean, I, I only kicked in my senior year in high school. I was two for three for field goals. So and then I, I kicked off at junior college, and the first year I actually kicked field goals really was my junior year here. So I never really expected you know um, um, to be a field goal kicker. So I always tried to uh, be that that kickoff uh, safety combo guy. So I talked to uh, before I come into SC talked to a few schools um about going to the safety you know a couple of schools were pretty uh pretty adamant about that so uh but i i mean i, I can't i can't uh pass up a scholarship to usc you know so uh so i came here kind of as a safety slash slash kicker not not know what to expect so i mean i came in here and um and any any way to get on the field at sc you know i was i was i was thankful for and, and it ended up being uh that kicking was my niche and then the, the last part of that question was he wanted to know how, how Pete sold you and, and kind of what your thought process was because, you know, Mario Danella was already here. And he actually, this is kind of funny, he actually said uh, Van Raphorst was here, but he meant uh, Van Blarkham. I think that Van Raphorst was a quarterback <laughs> for a few years ago, but Van Blarkham was like the, the, the strong legged guy that was here when you came in. Yeah. Um, Coach Carroll, Coach Carroll uh, did, well, did well at a JC Combine uh, as a safety, so that's what, what, that's what grasped his attention first. And when he and when he and uh, Coach Kiffin came down to my junior college, um, I also told him I'd kick. So I mean, they, I think he was pretty astonished about that. And then uh, showed him a few of my stats from the, some kicking camps I went to. And then um, came here on my unofficial, you know, committed right away. And uh, and came, I mean, there were three kickers on scholarship when I came in here. You know, me, Mario, and Troy. And that's that's unheard of anywhere. I mean, even two kickers on scholarship, which which Mario and Troy were. Uh, was even unheard of. So I mean, uh, Coach Carroll took a gamble on me. You know, I, I didn't I didn't know what to what to expect getting here. You know, whether it's me a, a field player or a kicker. You know, so uh, he took a gamble on me and it worked out. And and um, you know, and just it just it just happened that way. And I'm I'm definitely happy it did. You know, because I mean I'm in this spot. And and if if it wasn't for Coach Carroll, if it was going to come in here, you know, I, I, who knows where I'd be right now. So um, it, it it's definitely I, I you know. I, I'm thankful for uh, for for my God-given talent, and thankful that uh, that I'm, I'm here and, and found the right place. Well, David, we appreciate your time. I know you're a you're a big fan favorite with a lot of the uh, USC fans. They love seeing you do well on the NFL Network there during the combine. We really appreciate appreciate you taking the time, and especially when you got a midterm to study for today. <laughs> hey, no problem at all. I was I was glad to be on here, and uh, and hope the fans enjoyed it. And I, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, anytime. Thank you so much, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Hope you land with a NFL team, have a long career. Everybody else, we'll be talking more USC football next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and we will talk to you then.
You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.